0: Wow, what a blessing it is to be back at my other church as I call you and so uh, very lovingly talk about you. And uh, I appreciate the privilege that Pastor John has given me to be a part of this sermon series. I want to give a shout out because I know that my brother from another mother is watching by way of webcast. How you doing, Steve? He and I, of course, over the last seven to eight years have forged a relationship that um, we have been so blessed uh, to be in each other's lives, and when Pastor John came on, uh, he allowed that relationship with, with me and many of you to continue, and I, I don't take that lightly. I want to also talk about my encounter uh, with this man named Jesus. I think it's so imperative that we understand that if we're going to change the world, that across denominational, racial, and ethnic lines, we've got to find a way to come together. Amen? Amen. Now, I, I know I'm not at the 8 o'clock service, I'm at the nine fifteen service, and you guys ought to be a little bit more awake. And so I expect to hear at least five more amens anytime I say anything. Amen? Amen. Oh, yes. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Would you grab your Bibles and turn with with me to Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to take a look at chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 35. And in the tradition, if you allow me just to kind of be your pastor for this service, we, we stand up when the pastor read the Word of God, and I tell them because you never know, that may be the only Word you hear from God today. I pray not, but we you stand really in honor of God's Word, and uh, I'm going to read the Scripture to you, and then we're going to go into uh, this Word that God has for us today. Mark 4, starting at verse 35. It says, That day when evening came, He said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. And a furious squaw came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Have you not? Or do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this dude that even the winds and the waves obey him? You may be seated. An artist was commissioned and hired by a wealthy man to paint something that would depict true peace. And after a great deal of thought, the artist went to his canvas, and he painted this country scene, cows grazing on the green grass, with the sky being blue, and the birds fluttering through the sky, and the trees with the beautiful leaves. And he ran and took it to that wealthy gentleman and said, hey, here is a picture of true peace. And the wealthy client looked at the picture and says, no, that's not a picture of true peace. I need you to try again. I, I won't buy that. And so the artist went back, thought for a while, and he returned as he began to contemplate how he, would, how he would draw this picture of true peace. And so he, he painted a mother, a young mother with a baby in her arms that was just born, and how she was staring down at that newborn baby. And he said, surely this is a depiction of true peace. He took it to the client and said, sir, here is my rendition. And the wealthy client says, no, no, this is not true peace. And by this time, the artist is dejected. He's discouraged. He'd never been turned down before. And he wondered, what could I do to to get this client to accept what I feel is my artistic understanding of true peace? He prayed about it, and then he thought, he went to the canvas and painted a rendition of true peace, took it to that wealthy client, and the wealthy client looked at it, turned it this way and that way, stepped back from it and said, ah, yeah, that's true peace. Well, what was it that made the man come to the understanding that he had finally depicted what true peace was all about. Well, the picture showed a stormy sea pounding against the cliff. The artist had captured the fury of the wind as it whipped back and forth. Black rain clouds were laced with streaks of lightning in the background of the painting. The sea was roaring in turmoil and waves churning. The dark skies filled and furious thunderstorms flashed. And in the middle of that picture, Under the cliff, the artist had painted a little bird, snuggled in the midst of the storm. I want to talk today from this thought, peace be still. Peace. Be still. The truth of the matter is, is that most of us have had our greatest encounters with Jesus while in the midst of a storm. That's right. Usually God can get our attention when we get to a space that we can no longer control. Most of our encounters and our personal storms come along because they increase the probability and the inevitability that we will somehow encounter God. You see, my brothers and my sisters, storms are unpredictable. Storms are inescapable. And oftentimes, storms are unexplainable, why did this happen to me? And usually, when we run into storms, they are unfavorable. They don't don't impact us like we want them to. But one thing about every storm, I don't care what it may be, every storm God uses as a teachable moment. So every storm is teachable. Whether it's unexplainable or inescapable or unpredictable or unalterable, you name it, they are always teachable moments for you and I. And so, we find Christ oftentimes in Scripture, encountering people that you and I wouldn't want to be around. People of your repute, like Mary Magdalene, an ex-prostitute, was Zacchaeus, a crooked IRS man. And even the woman at the well from the other side of town who who had had four failed marriages, and the man she was with, the Bible said, wasn't even hers. And yet Jesus would encounter each and every one of them. You see, I've come to the conclusion that no matter what you've done in your life, no matter where you are right now at the 915 service, that God through Christ would do whatever he has to do to get our attention to focus on him. He loves you that much that he would do whatever it takes just to get an audience with you. Whatever it takes. What a day it had been. Jesus had finished teaching the growing crowds, parables about the new kingdom. And he had encountered demonic activity all day long. And get this. There was a part of the day while he was teaching that his mama and them showed up. Okay, his mother and family (laughs) showed up. And they were trying to get him to stop because they did not understand what he was trying to do. Even sometimes the very ones who are close to us don't understand our journey and don't understand what we are called to do. And so... He encountered all of these situations because though the sermon series is encounters with Jesus, you need to understand that you are also going to have some encounters with the devil. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Yeah. I love the story. An older woman whose children had all grown up and left home and her husband had gone on to heaven. And she had run out of resources. Her pension and her retirement monies were getting thin and her cupboard had gotten low and she was out of money and therefore her food ran out. And so when she ate her last can of beans, she began to talk to God day, morning, day and night, she would scream out, oh God, come see about me. I have no peace. I I don't know what I'm going to do. You you promised you'd never leave me. Oh, God, come see about me day in and day out. And and, and finally, her neighbor, who happened to be an atheist, got so sick of her praying that prayer. Oh, God, come see about me. He said, I'm going to fix her. He goes to Kroger's, and he buys a bunch of groceries. And he takes them, and he puts them on her doorstep. He rings the doorbell, and he goes and gets behind the bushes. And so when she comes out and she sees all these groceries out here, she goes, oh, God, thank you. You came through. The atheist jumped out of the bushes and said, aha, I paid for them groceries. And she looked at heaven and said, and you made the devil pay for it. <laughs> God would do whatever he has to do to get your attention. Even use the devil. Somebody shout amen up in here. Amen. Amen. And so Jesus, being tired, told his disciples, let's go to the other side. When you look at that phraseology, let's go to the other side, and you look at the Greek of that terminology, it, it's really not a suggestion. He's not saying, hey guys, if you, if you don't mind, I really, you know, you guys okay with this going? No, he, this is a command. Let's go to the other side. And so this command was no problem for the disciples because it was music to their ears. You mean we get to sell? We 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 get to go across six miles of water to the other side. You know, this was their old stomping ground. This is what they used to do before they left their nets to follow Jesus. They they felt like we 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 hey we got this. They they knew the lake. They knew that lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee. I was sharing earlier. They they knew that lake like you know all the good eating places in Brownsburg. That's how familiar they were. They knew every turn and every curve they 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 knew that that how the current would rise and fall they they understood the mood of that sea and they had been through many storms in their minds we got this we got this matter of fact i can hear peter saying to jesus jesus you say go to the other side, great. Tell you what, you just go on back here, Jesus, because you don't know nothing about sailing. You go on back and have a you go on back and have a seat, all right? No, it's okay. We got, we got this. We, we, we know how to do this. We've done it a million times. But amen. What they did not know is that this trip to the other side was a setup. when you become overconfident with whatever you're doing and you may be very good at it, be careful because it just could be a setup for a setback. We got this. I've been doing this for 20 years. God through his son Jesus Christ, had made an appointment for them with the storm. All of us make appointments, but there are some appointments we can't call and change. For this appointment had come from God, and this storm would be a teachable moment and an encounter with Jesus like never before. And the Scripture says, in verse 36, that leaving the crowd behind. I stopped by today on my way to heaven to tell you that there are going to be some storms in life that you will have to face alone, that your connection point family may not go with you, that your own family may not be able to be there with you. There are going to be some storms that you would have to go at it alone. But I want you to know you are never alone even though you may feel lonely. Amen. There will be some storms, amen, that you will have to face without the crowd. The great T.D. Jakes tells the story. You all heard that name. He's a great pastor in Dallas, Texas, the Potter's House, and has over 30,000 folk that shows up on weekends for his services And as he preaches the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, he tells the story of how he, uh, his mother passed. And he had a funeral at this 10,000 seat sanctuary that he preaches in every weekend. And when he came out and noticed that there were only 300 people out of the 30,000 that normally come to hear him preach, only 1% were sitting there. It broke his heart. And he learned this. That you cannot depend on the crowd when it comes to storms. That there are some storms you must face by yourself. And I don't know about you, I'd rather have Christ any day than a crowd. Why? Because Christ will always be there. I love the way my grandma used to say it. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I didn't know she was quoting Hebrews 13 and 8, but, but, but... I didn't know she, matter of fact, my grandmother didn't have much of an education, but, but she knew the Word of God. And she would say to me, baby, don't you worry about what you're going through because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and he'll be the same way tomorrow. Amen. That's why when I encountered him, I put my heart and my life in his hands because he's always going to be the same. He is immutable, unmovable. He's unchangeable. I change. He does not change. He's the same. And if there are any skeptics sitting out here, just know that one thing you can depend on is that God is the same. You can't depend on crowds, but you can depend on Christ. And when they had sent away the crowd, they took him, I like this, even as he was in the ship. I I, I bolded that for you because we'll run right by that, even as he was, because we live in a culture and in a time where everybody's trying to redefine who Jesus is. Everybody's trying to redefine what it means to have a relationship with him. And the Bible says here that when they were going to the other side, trying to get to the place God was trying to take them, that they had to take him as he was. Oh. He changes not. Don't ever try to make it to the other side without Christ. Wow That's another piece of this verse I want to share with you. There's so much meaning, just verse 36 alone. And there were also with him other little ships. I bolded him because it says to me that there were other other churches, I mean boats <laughs> that are trying to get to the other side. There are other marriages that are trying to get to the other side. There are other businesses that are trying to be... that. Everybody here right now is trying to get to the other side of whatever storm you're going through. But watch this. And they were also with him. What does that mean? That there are other people going through the storm of cancer as you may be going through, that there are other families going through a way with child as you may be going through, but, but, but I, I came by to, to tell you that, that Jesus will one day stand up in your storm and he will say, peace be still, that, that because there are other folk going through the same storm that you are either in, on your way into, or on your way out of. Storms are a constant part of our lives. And don't let no one tell you, these prosperity gospel folk, talking about that when you give your life to Christ, every day is going to be happy, and you're going to have wealth, and everything, every day is going to be sunny. That is a fake gospel. As I it with you, God may be silent in your storm, but he's always present. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Father. <laughs> Let's go to the other side. And so the command led to a crisis. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full of water. Oh, my God. The disciples who were exquisite sailors have run into a storm that now the storm has gotten to the place that water, as scripture says, that now the boat is full of water. The disciples are saying, Oh my God, what do we do now? I, I want, I see something in this text here, and that is this, that, that the presence of Christ on board your ship does not guarantee a smooth passage. It does not guarantee a smooth passage. You're going to have some sickness. You're going to have some disappointments. I I had to come by and say that to you because somebody needs to know. You're wondering why is it that it looks like this person is always happy in Jesus. But what you don't realize is that they've been through some storms too. And one way to get out of your storm I'm going, to give, I'm going to give you a tip. One way to get out of your storm, or at least to make it through your storm, if he doesn't take you out, is you got to come to worship service, and you got to every now and then say hallelujah. hallelujah. Somebody going to come out today, looks like. <laughs> every now and then over here, you got to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You got to act like you at a Colts ball game. I see y'all at the coach game. Paints faded blue and white and jumping around in your sh- which you got on somebody's shirt with somebody else's name on it. I do too, but I tell you what, when I come to church, I'm just as excited about Jesus as I am about the coach. Anybody here excited about Jesus, just like you're excited. No, you ain't excited, you ain't. No, you're not excited. Cause if the Colts scored a touchdown, what y'all gonna do? That's what you're gonna do right there. You're gonna stand on your feet and you're gonna say hallelujah, go Colts, go Colts. Well, somebody ought to stand on your feet and say thank you Jesus, because the Colts can't get you through a storm, but Christ can. Come on, somebody give him some praise up in here. Glory, hallelujah. Amen. Well, we're away. Hallelujah. <laughs> My God, the disciples. This is the other thing. They're only doing what Christ told them to do. Let's go to the other side. And they run into a crisis. Anybody here ever started doing what Christ wanted you to do, and then all of a sudden stuff starts happening in your life? I got some young people here. You finally decided you're going to not be skeptical of who this Jesus is. You're going to accept this Jesus that your grandma lived her life through, and now you finally join church, and then your car breaks down. because the enemy will always try to deter you. But in the midst, they were doing what Jesus promised. I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down. When you have a true encounter with Jesus, it's important to know this truth. The promise is not protection from every storm. But what he does promise is his presence in the storm. Do you realize how many storms God kept from coming into your life? You realize that? Yeah. Yeah. A guy went to the barbershop to get his hair cut. He sat there, and this guy across from the young man kept looking at him. He got his hair cut. On his way out, he said, young man, why are you staring at me? He says, well, sir, you don't know this, but I was going to beat you up the other night when you came from church. You walked from church every, every Sunday, and I, I was a little short on cash, and I was going to beat you up and take your money. The gentleman said, really? He says, well, what, what kept you from beating me up? He said, oh, you were with two big, strong guys, and, and uh, we didn't want to Tackle you with those guys with you. He shook the young man's hand and says, Young man, God loves you. It looked like I was with two guys, but they were just my angels. I don't walk with anybody home, but God always walked with me. Isn't that amazing? Do you? That's why you don't want to leave here today without having an encounter with Christ, because He keeps you from storms that you never, ever see. Yeah, somebody just put your... Just thank God for that. So that's why I wanted to to, to kind of knock... What He promises is not protection from every storm. Now, He's not going to keep you from every storm. But there are many storms that you will never, ever see. He knows what to allow to come through, and what he allows to keep from you. The crisis gets worse. The Scripture says a great storm, and Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. Young people, don't ever try to do anything with Jesus' sleep in your walk, with him sleeping in your life. Don't ever, listen, stop coming to church, falling asleep. Anybody sleep next to you now? Wake them up. Say, Wake up, wake up, wake up. If you can go to sleep on this big black Baptist preacher screaming like, like I scream. <laughs> That's right. Somebody shout hallelujah up in here. See, I, 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 I told y'all, I'm used to folk talking back at me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need to make sure that you don't ever let Jesus go to sleep in your life. And it's easy to do because you have this propensity and this proclivity to say, I got this. And we tell Jesus, go on, Jesus. You just, you. matter of fact, just go on to the back. We got the front. We got this. Wow. But the crisis gets worse. So I wonder what's, what's Satan thinking? The scripture says that the wind is blowing, the lightning is flashing, the thunder is roaring, the waves are dashing, the boat is sinking. And Jesus is sleeping. And Satan is saying, oh, let me call this cabinet meeting. Come on, all my leaders, come, let's sit down. This is our opportunity. We can sink this ship. And listen, we can drown out the Jesus in the culture. Ah. And so the crisis came as a result of the command. And now the disciples have a complaint. This is what they said. Master, master, carest not thou that we perish? Master, carest thou not that we perish? In other words, Jesus, don't you care about what's happening here? Now, I wonder, I wonder, this is just my biblical uh, surmising here. I wonder if they, if they waited a little too long to get Jesus involved in their storm. I wonder if they waited a little too long to get him involved in their marriage Struggle. I just wonder if they, they waited a little too long to involve Jesus in what college they should go to. I just wonder if they, if they got him involved a little too late. Master, carest thou not that we perish? Wow. What a question. Their perception of Christ's apparent obliviousness to their misery is a picture of how we feel sometimes when we're in our storms. God, where are you? Master, carest thou not that we perish? Has anyone ever asked you a question that you thought they should have known the answer to? Every day. It's like, do I have to keep telling you over and over that I love you? (laughs) Do I have to keep telling you over and over and over that you're doing a good job? Why, you master, carest thou not that we perish? And I can hear Jesus looking at him going, guys, the reason I came as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes is because I care. Guys, the reason that I came to seek and to save that which was lost is because I care. The reason I'm headed to an old wrecked cross is because I care. I stopped by today to tell somebody that's going through a difficult time, it's not because he doesn't care. He's there. He's there. Sometimes our struggle is a prerequisite for our promotion. A little boy found a a cocoon, and he saw this caterpillar that had turned into a butterfly, and it was struggling to get out of the cocoon. And the little boy said, Mama, look, I'm going to help him. She said, no, baby, don't help him, because it's in the struggle of getting out of the cocoon that he builds his wings. And if you get him out too soon, he won't be able to fly around and enjoy all that the life that is destined for him. So sometimes the struggle is a prerequisite for your elevation. Stop cursing the darkness. There's sometimes treasures in the darkest moments of your life. There was a time when I was in middle management in General Motors and, and I was going up the corporate ladder And I had my minds on going to Detroit, and God took away my eyesight. I was blind for about two years. My wife had to drive me around. Finally, God got my attention. So I went to to seminary, and she would always read the lessons to me. At the same time, while I was attending seminary, she was attending seminary. But I went through that dark time. I would not be preaching here this morning. I would not be standing here today if I had not gone through a period of blindness. I once was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. Anybody glad? Is there anybody in the house that's glad that now you see? Oh, the command led to a crisis, and the crisis led to a complaint. But I got news for you. There's a conclusion to this story. How many know that in every storm, God has the final say-so? I said God has the final say-so. Not your doctor, not your financial planner, but God has the final say-so. Isn't that good news? That he, because he, listen, He cares for you. And so look at the conclusion of this thing. I love it. He says, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, peace, be still. And suddenly, the wind stopped. And suddenly, there was a great calm. I like the way Eugene Patterson says it. He says it like this. Jesus told the wind to pipe down. (laughs) He said to the sea, quiet, why don't you settle down? And the wind ran out of breath and became smooth as glass. And just like that, the storm ended. God took the wind out of wind. He understood if if Jesus knew if I could just rebuke the winds because the winds, the prince of the air, is making the winds whip up, right? If I can stop the wind, the wind will stop affecting the waves. So he said to the wind, pipe down. And he told the waves to settle down. Sometimes we get in the wrong circles. We have other exterior forces influencing our movement. And the waves, when the wind stopped pushing against it, Scripture says it just settled down as if no storm ever came through. Wow. What a mighty God we serve. They encountered Jesus like never, ever before. I remember the story of a little boy that was born with no legs. And he was watching the other kids get ready to run a race. And he he said to himself, I want to run in that race. Jesus, I go to Sunday school. I've given you my heart. I want to run in that race. And so his father comes home from work and he says, Father, I want to run in that race. And his dad looked at him and said, Baby. I know you want to run in this race, but you can't. You don't have legs. He says, Daddy, tell you what. If you, if you, Daddy, if you run, hold me, we can win this race. And the father said, okay. So the father goes out, and he begins to get in the line. And somebody goes, one, two, three, and the race started. All those kids took off running. They were going so fast, but Daddy had a long stride and a sure stride. And as he got ready to cross over the finish line, he beat those other children. And that little boy with no legs on his shoulder was screaming, "Yes, we won! We won! God, thank you! Thank you, Thank you!" And another little boy came up to him and looked, up and looked at him and looked up at him and said, "And what did you do?" And he looked down at the other little boy. He said, I held on, I held on. When the going got rough, I held on. When it got tough, I held on. I stopped by to tell somebody today, when storms come, sometimes all you can do is just hold on, and if you hold on, you'll be like that little bird that I showed you in the storm when he was hiding out. You'll be able to say, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me. God bless you. God keep you. May heaven smile upon you. God bless you. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. God bless you.